0: Um, yeah, that's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Um, Michelle always makes this joke and says, "Ja, waar sal jy wees As look for something. Ja, waar jy wees wat jy doen And then she, um, obviously in December, January, she she spent two weeks in the hospital, and it was only me and Alexander in the in the house, and uh, and we were fine. We were fine. <laughs> <laughs> the house was clean, the dishes was washed, the clothes, no, we obviously, we appreciate you as mothers, the role that you play in the house, in our lives, in our families, it is such an important role, and, and we, we honor you this morning, and thank you for what you are doing, we love you so very much. So those of you that don't know me, my name is Rudo, and I have the privilege of uh, being an elder in the church and um and if you have your Bibles with you, you're welcome to take out your Bibles. We're gonna um read in, in Revelations four, this incredible scripture that I've just shared with you in this um moment as we just worship God, you know, and um and, and read this scripture in Revelations four. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And so I'm gonna we're gonna get to Revelations four. I just wanted to emphasize that part again. But so starting a new sermon series today, um, a citywide sermon series actually. So all our churches in the, in the city is pre- preaching the same uh, sermon or the same topic. And this sermon, is, this sermon series is called One. One. And we're going to speak into one God, one mission, one church over the next three weeks. And so next week, um, uh, one of the other pastors, uh, me and Donnie won't be here. We, we're going to preach in the other churches and some of the other churches' pastors, someone is going to come and preach here next week, and so it's going to be exciting, and uh, I'm really looking forward into this sermon series. And Donnie already laid an, an incredible foundation last week, speaking about the body of, of Christ and the church being one, and you can go and listen to, to that sermon on our Every Nation Leonard Facebook page, and, um, and really just laying the foundation for this sermon series, because as a global family of churches, we also one church. Every nation church is all over the world. We have the same mission. We have these two elements that keeps us together and binds us together. And I'm not saying it's only those two elements, but it's our God that we serve and the mission that we're on. And so our mission is very clear all over the world. We have the same mission and we have the same God and so, here in Swane, we have different congregations. You are part of the, of the Linwood congregation, and, but we are one church, even in the city. Even though we have different congregations, we could have um, had only one church. But because we believe in making disciples and raising leaders and planting churches, we have many congregations in the city, but we still are one, um, one church, one family, amen? And it's those two key factors that keeps us together, serving, honoring, worshiping the same God, one God, being on the same mission as we are one church. And so that's what we're going to speak about over the next three weeks, one God, one church, one mission all over the world. And so if we speak about our mission, before we get into one God, if we speak about our mission, this is our mission, let's read our mission together. We exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. Now, the emphasis, if you just look at that, where does the emphasis lie? We exist to honor God. If we did not exist, how would we do any of the rest? Right? I mean, if this table did not exist, I would stand here with my iPad in my hand. (laughs) Our existence lies in the fact that God created us so that we can honor Him. Amen? And so a crucial part of this mission statement is that we exist to honor God. Now, Steve Murrell, those of you that don't know, Steve Murrell, um, our our Every Nation Global President, we had the Bold conference this week, and some of the team were in Cape Town, and Steve Murrell and, and some of our ALT members was in Cape Town. And so they, you know, it was just one of our conferences that we have every year. And, um, but, it, but Steve Murrell tells this story when he speaks about honoring God. He, tells, he always tells this story that um, they went years back when he was still a young man. He, they went on a, on a mission trip. And I don't know how many of you were on a mission trip, but I've been on many mission trips. And many things can go wrong, right? You can feel frustrated, and then, the, you know, that person wants to sleep a little bit longer, and that person doesn't want to grow a hut and then, you know, there's frustrations and irritations, and we have to sit close to one another, or the petrol is, is, um, uh, gets uh, dried up. or what? There's just so many I mean, just with, um, with Neil, there's now a visa challenge. Okay, there's always a, a, a challenge on missions. And so they've been on this, on this mission, and this leader of the mission, would, whenever there's irritations or frustrations or obstacles, he would say, this does not please God. He does, you, you do not please God. And so obviously, out of context, but this concept of pleasing God stuck with Steve in his young days. This concept of our lives needing to please God. And so when the time came, when when they united every nation all over the world, they were in a a, a coffee shop. And the first words they put on a napkin to write what our mission statement as a global family will be was we exist to honor God. They wrote it on on a napkin and said, and this part of our mission statement never changed. Never changed. Because our existence lies in the fact that God created us to honor Him, to bring Him praise. Before anything else, that is where we start. One God, one King. Let's read Revelations 4. I'll give you the story behind the story of Revelations 4. So let's just read Revelations 4. And so after this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said. And so Jesus, it's Jesus saying right now, he's saying, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. And so Jesus is saying to John, hey, come here. There's an open door. I want to show you something. I want to show you what's going to happen. After all this is done, I want to show you something. And so Jesus gives John this incredible picture, this vision, and, and it sounds like this. At once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their heads, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him, who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And listen to this. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will, they existed and were created. Have you ever read this chapter? Have you ever read this chapter and then just pause? And thought about it, and think about it. It's almost like this picture. I want to show you this picture. I don't know if you're going to see it. Now, I know this is, this is merely man a man-made picture. And even John, I'm sure, you know, John couldn't even see everything. He couldn't even, in his, in his limited words and what he was able to describe this moment that Jesus is giving him of the throne room of God. He explained it, I mean, the most beautiful stones that he ever saw was jasper and carnelian, was the most beautiful stones that he saw. And he compared it, you know, to the one that was seated on the throne. I'm sure there were parts of this picture that that John couldn't even, he didn't even know. I don't even know how to explain this because I'm looking at glory, at awe, at wonder. This vision that he saw was the, the throne room of God. A glimpse, a place where the king of kings sits and he rules, and he reigns. Can you imagine? Can you see it? This word throne is used 16 times in this chapter. From the throne, around the throne, before the throne. An overwhelming emphasis of awe and wonder. Many hymns and songs were Um, are written from this chapter. We just sang, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The control center of the King of Heaven. What a beautiful picture. Now, this revelation was given to John, Jesus' beloved disciple, right? Um, Sort of 94, 95 years after his death. Okay? So I want you to bear with me. So this revelation was given to John on the island of Patmos. He had this revelation, the whole book of Revelation. So this part was given to John. In this time, he he had this glimpse, this beautiful picture. That I don't even that picture does not even um, justify how beautiful it was. This moment that he saw, that he had of the throne room of the King of Kings, right? 94, 95 before Christ. Now I want us to backtrack. This is the one picture. Let's say, uh, let's say this is the picture that we just spoke of in Revelations four. Okay, this is the, the picture. So I want us to backtrack six hundred years, a hundred years till Jesus was alive. Okay, because it was a hundred years until he, he sort of a hundred years until he got that um, that vision, and then. From where Jesus was alive, another 400 years, because it was for 400 years there was silence. God was silenced for 400 years before John came and said, Prepare the way. Okay? So 400 years. Within that 100 years, we are now in that 100 years. It's sort of between 500 and 400 BC. There was three prophets. Three prophets. And those three prophets was called Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. And there's a chapter in Malachi 1 verse 11. It says, for I am a great king, says the Lord Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. The same king that we just saw the, the throne room of, 600 years before that, The same king was speaking to his people, saying, I am the king, the Lord God of the nations, and my name will be feared among the nations. Now, listen to this. We are now in this hundred years. Three prophets in the same time prophesying very much the same thing. They had had to deal almost with the same problem um, in that hundred years. And this was the picture this was the picture. So let's create another picture here. That hundred years looked like this. The, the Israelites are not in exile anymore. They're now in their, back in their own country. Right? But they're doing everything for themselves. And so Haggai had to come and, and he had to say, before we get to that, um, I just want to wanna, wanna, wanna sort of explain to you that Whatever they did now was almost mundane. Whenever they went to a service, it was not because we want to, because we had to. They they almost tried to get away with um, as little as possible. What was the minimum that we can give to God? What was the minimum time that we can give to God? And God is a king, and He's saying, I will be feared among the nations. And so in this hundred years, God is telling through three prophets, three things. Listen what Haggai was saying. Haggai was saying, Haggai called them to rebuild the temple, right? That was the whole thing of Haggai. He he called them to rebuild the temple in Haggai 1 verse 8. He said, go up to the hills and bring wood and build a house that I may take pleasure in, in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord so that I can have a relationship with you. Come and rebuild. So they were so busy building their own houses, taking the prime wood for their own houses, that God had to come and stop them and say, build my house. I want to have a relationship with you. And so they did. They they obeyed God. They did it for a while. They built for a while. It was nothing compared to what King Solomon built a few hundred years earlier. But it was, there was a temple. It was, they almost had the attitude of, oh, let's just get this done. And let's just, let's just do this. And then Zechariah comes and, he, and his whole thing was, he called them to return to God. Zechariah 1 verse 3 says, therefore say, say, say to them, thus declare the Lord, Of hosts, return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. He's saying, Don't be like your fathers who did their own thing and worshiped their own gods. Return to me. I want to have a relationship with you. Return to me. And so they did for a while. For a while. It's almost like they say, well, we have discovered in Babylon that our time is very precious and we can do stuff with our time. You know, we can build stuff and we can sell stuff. And so I'll come, but I'll come later. Just hold on. Just wait a little bit. I'll give you, I'll give you my second best time. I'll give you my time that I have left. The time that I have spent. God is saying, return to me. then God came for a last time in Malachi before he went silent. And he almost rebuked them to repent of of the polluted offerings that they are bringing to him. Listen to Malachi 1 verse 9. A son is speaking. He starts with honor. A son honor his father. And a servant his master. If then I am a father, if I am your king, where is my honor? If I, am, um, if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, who despise my name. And then the priests were like, remember, we are the royal priesthood of God. And so the priests would say, the people would say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals and in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show favor to you? Says the Lord of hosts. And then in verse 9 he says, And now entreat, he says, say sorry, repent, the favor of God, that he may be gracious to you. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you?" says the Lord of hosts. And so they they were at the place of, you know, offering to God, but not their best, their second best. You know, the animal that was lame they would bring to God and give that to God. Yes, Lord, yes, lame animal. They would take know, that, that that they didn't want, they would take the, the blind and they would bring that to God and say, yes, Lord, I have this. I don't want to give you my best, but I have this. They're sick, they're lame, they're scraps to the king, to the king, the king of kings. So God was not pleased with it. He was not pleased. And so God did not speak for 400 years. Can you imagine 400 years? Can you imagine praying now in this moment and never hear God's voice again? Because you won't live for 400 years. God did not speak for 400 years. He was quiet. Is God quiet in your life? Experience quietness from God. The question is, Does your life please God? Do you honor Him? Not because we need to. Not because we need to honor Him, because then it's about me, it's my needs, not because of what we can get from God. Just because He's the king. He is the king. He is worthy of our honor. We would not exist without him. And so existence lies in the fact that he created us so that we can honor him. And so two different pictures. The picture of Revelations 4, the throne room of God. The king of kings ruling and reigning. And this picture of this king. Trying to get his people to just honor him. Saying, rebuild my temple. I want to have a relationship with you. Saying, return to me. I want to have a relationship with you. Saying, repent of those things because I want to have a relationship with you. me put this just a little bit in perspective. I I have a hidden um, uh, love for the English monarchy. Um. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Don't tell people, okay? (laughs) So, but but the the history of it is very interesting to me, like very interesting. I, I love... You know, seeing who, who, who was uh, who followed upon who, and, and the kings and the queens, and who did what, and all of that. And so I just watched the whole documentary of Henry the and um, and, and the whole thing of his father, Henry the how he became a Tudor, and the Tudors took over England, and, and Henry the he was the one who started the, the Reformation right in England, and um, and he had six wives. And I don't know if you just put the picture on. I don't know if you can see so well, but that's Henry VIII, and and that's his first wife, Catherine of Aragon, and um and so, it, it's very it's a very interesting time. You know, this was sort of the fifteen hundreds. If this king wanted you to do something, he doesn't ask you twice. If he wants you build something, you build. <laughs> if he wants you to give something, then you give. If he wants you to come, then you come. If you don't listen, they execute you. You die. And it's treason. It was treason. It's just how it worked in those days. And if it was something like uh, uh, you disobey the king, they would even use a blunt knife to kill. They will not make it quick. <laughs> so you did what the king was asking. It's just how it worked. That was how the time worked. So here we have a king calling, calling us. Come, I want to have time with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to have a relationship with you. In fact, he is initiating the honor. He is calling you. Not like the English kings. Our king, our king, do not kill us. In fact, in those 400 years, I don't know what happened. But after those 400 years, can you imagine? God must, must have been there, he was saying. Coming to terms with the fact that he was going to give his son. die for us to be able to return and repent and build a relationship with him no king no king english king ever gave their sons for the sacrifice of his people no english king did that in fact their heir, the hair the, the heir to, to the throne was the most important person in the country almost The fact that Henry VIII had six wives was the fact that none of them could give him a hair. They were struggling to give him a son. And so God is coming and he's saying, give my son to my people so that they can return to me. So they can repent. So they can build a relationship with me to honor me to glorify me, to worship me. And and as I prepared this this sermon, I sensed that there's some of you sitting here and saying, it's too late for me, it's too late. I don't know if I can, can return anymore. You are still on the right side of eternity. It's never too late. This morning, you are on the right side of eternity and God is saying, return to me so I want to leave us with, with verse 10 and 11 of Revelations 4. It says the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they, listen to this one verse, one sentence, they cast their crowns before the throne. They had thrones on their heads, are oh, crowns. Had crowns on their heads. And they would take off the most valuable thing in their lives. That almost gives them um, identity. When those kings had their crowns on, it gave them identity. It was the most valuable thing in their lives. It represented their time, their value, their calling. And this, this verse is saying... These elders took it off and cast it before God. Any fishermen in the house You know what casting is? They threw their their most valuable thing. They cast it before God. Saying, Lord, have all my time. Have my best. Not my second best. Have my best. Have my resources. Have my life. Because I exist to honor you. God calls us to honor Him to take off our crowns. The the most valuable things in our lives. Can you identify that in this moment? Cast it before God. Let's pray.